Welcome to the Flight of Baptist Church podcast. This is part four of our series called Homewreckers. So pop culture says that parents are clueless and rebellion is cool. But Jesus has shown us a very different way. Obeying your mom and dad may not be hip, but it is good. And it leads to very good things. Here is Pastor Scott Roberson for part four called Disobedient Children. We have been looking at God's instructions for the family and how to protect our families from various threats. And I said at the beginning of this series that what makes a family Christian is not mainly the rules that they live by, you know, living by Christian rules as opposed to some other kind of rules. But what makes a family Christian is Christ. The gracious, loving presence of the living Lord Jesus in the hearts of those who rely on him and who live for his honor. And that's why all of these instructions for the family from the book of Ephesians start back in chapter 5 with this main command to be filled with the Holy Spirit and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that means what threatens a family the most is not really what comes from outside. It's not really what our culture does. That's not the main threat. The main threat, or what threatens a family most, is when members of a family refuse to rely on Jesus and refuse to live for his honor. So, Husbands who refuse to love their wives, we called that homewrecker number one. And wives who refuse to respect their husbands, that was homewrecker number two. And today we're going to think about homewrecker number three, and that's children who refuse to obey their parents out of reverence for Christ. So let's take a look. We're in Ephesians chapter 6 now, and reading verses 1 through three. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So that's it. It's short. It's straightforward. Children, Obey your parents in the Lord. Now, who's it talking to? Well, there's a sense that everybody here is the child of somebody, but this is talking specifically to children who have not yet reached adulthood and are still under their parents' authority. So if that's you, if if you're one of those, kid living at home, God's instruction to you is... Obey your mom and dad in the Lord. Now, I don't think I need to explain what obey means. It's really not hard to understand. It's just hard to do sometimes. But how do you obey your parents in the Lord? What is the point of that little phrase at the end? Uh, The word Lord means the Lord Jesus. So this is connecting obeying your parents with being a believer in Christ. But what 
what is the connection? If this is what God wants you to do, how do you do it? Well, let me show you. First of all, to obey your parents in the Lord, you need to care about what God says is right. You need to care about what God says is right. Verse 1, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. I don't, I don't know what you think when you hear that. It's possible you might think that it's saying you should obey your parents because it's correct. Or that it's the right thing to do. We use the word right that way. So that you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4 is, is right, it's correct. 2 plus 2 equals 5 is, is wrong, it's incorrect. And it's certainly true that obeying your parents is the correct thing, the right thing to do. But this means much more than that. It's so much richer here. The word right here is the same word we usually translate righteous. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is righteous. And righteous means that something conforms to or lines up with the very character and goodness of God himself. So being righteous means being like God. And doing what is righteous means doing something that God would do, doing something the way God would do it. Which means that there is something about genuine obedience that reflects who God is. Do you realize that leadership and obedience are good things? And they're good things because they are part of the very nature of God himself? You know, the Bible teaches that God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And these three persons are absolutely equal in their, their essence, their Godness, so that whatever it is that makes God God, the Father has it, the Son has it, and the Spirit has it. Each person of the Trinity is eternal. Each is all-powerful. Each is all-knowing, all-wise, and so on. And that, by the way, is why when people become believers in Jesus, we're supposed to baptize them, as Jesus told us in Matthew 28, 19, we're to baptize them in the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So one name. One God in three persons. But the Bible also teaches that these three equal persons have different roles in accomplishing all that God chooses to accomplish. And this is why that anytime we talk about roles, we're never talking about people's worth. The fact that people have different roles, or there's different roles in the family, or different roles in society, that doesn't make, having a different role doesn't make somebody more valuable to God, or worth more, or anything like that. It has nothing to do with it. Because God, in His essential being, three persons, absolutely equal in value, in essence, but distinct in roles. So, 
When it comes to the Father and the Son, for example, the Father leads and the Son obeys. And this is why Jesus says in John 6.38, he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus always obeys the Father. Always. And what's so beautiful about this is there's never any jealousy. There's never any resentment. There there aren't ever any power struggles among the persons of the Godhead, of who God is. Never. The Son delights. He says, I always do that which pleases my Father. Always. And He delights in that. The Son delights in the leadership of the Father. And the Father delights in the obedience of the Son. So leadership, true leadership, not leadership the way it gets twisted and messed up and perverted by sin, but true leadership, it's not an oppressive thing invented by power-hungry tyrants. It's been messed up by them, but that's not where leadership ultimately comes from. And obedience is not a humiliating thing that only the weak have to do. True obedience is a righteous thing because it's a God-like thing. And one of the reasons we, we get into trouble in our families is that we forget that there are much bigger things at stake here in our family, in our family relationships. We forget there's much bigger things at stake than just us. And, and you know, whether we're getting what we want. God designed marriage. God designed the family to be so much more than just about, you know, meeting our needs. Now, God wants that. God wants families to be a place where our needs are met. God wants our families to be happy. But the ultimate reason why God wants our families to be happy, the reason why he wants that is because he wants our families to be something. He wants our families, our marriages and our families, to be a living, breathing, real life full color and surround sound picture of who he is. That's what he wants. God created marriage to show the world something. To show the world what the love of Christ is like. That's why he invented marriage. So that people could look at a healthy marriage and say, that shows me something. That helps me understand the love of Jesus Christ for his people. That's why he created marriage. And God created family. The whole way families happen, you know? Why is it that way? He could have done it some other way. He could have had kids just pop up out of the dirt. (laughs) Think about it. Why families? Because God 
created families to show the world what it means that God loves and leads like a father and that God obeys like a son. You say, whoa, that sounds weird. That sounds weird to think of God obeying. But Jesus does that. He always does that. And He delights to do it. And He is God. And that is why children obeying their parents is a righteous thing. There is a rightness about obedience that displays, that echoes, that mirrors the beauty of God. Now, young people, it probably doesn't feel like obeying your parents is all about God. It probably doesn't. It probably feels much more like, oh, I don't know, your parents don't get it, or uh, they don't understand you, or they're not giving you enough freedom. You know, what does God have to do with whether or not you get to borrow the car on Friday night? How's this about God? doesn't feel like God is the issue. Yeah, that's because none of this stuff about the family, the way God wants the family to be, none of this stuff comes naturally. It just doesn't. We do not naturally go about our day thinking about how God connects to every detail of our lives. We should, but we don't. It doesn't happen naturally anyway. We have to consciously do it. That's why we have to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. That is why we have to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, honoring Christ. In other words, we have to consciously, intentionally choose to rely on Jesus in everything. We have to learn how to do that, how to intentionally rely on Jesus in every part of our lives. Well, what does that mean? How do you intentionally rely on Jesus? You listen to what he says and do it, and you ask for his help. That's how you intentionally rely on Jesus. You pay attention to what he said and do it, and you ask him for his help. That's why, you know, the Christian answer to almost everything is, well, read your Bible and pray. And it sounds like a cliche, but that's what it means. It means you've got to know what Jesus wants you to do. If you're going to rely on him, follow his wisdom, not your own. And then you've got to ask him for your help because you can't possibly do it in your own strength. So we have to consciously choose to rely on him. And when we do that, this is the cool part, when we do that, then we have this incredible ability to honor Christ, to show Christ, to demonstrate Christ in our lives and in our families. And that's what this is ultimately all about. Now, if you're a young person and your parents are not Christians, then this is hard to do, especially if they are involved in unhealthy things. And by the way, let me just say it here that little phrase, in the Lord, one of the things that means is that obeying your parents never includes sin. Never. 
So if your parents tell you to do something that the Bible says is wrong, you can't do it. Now, you should say so as respectfully as possible. But listen, I want you to hear something. If you have parents who aren't Christians, or, or maybe one of them isn't, I want you to hear this. This truth about obedience being righteous, about it being godlike, this means you have the ability to show Jesus to your parents by the way you obey them. You can show them that Jesus is real by showing them that he is alive in you and changing you from the inside out. So you don't want to be thinking, how can I get out of doing what my parents want me to do? How can I get away with disobeying them? You don't want to be thinking that. See, that's what kids who don't know Jesus think. There's there's nothing that's going to show your parents Jesus by doing that. They're not going to look at you disobeying what they told you to do and go, oh, wow, okay, now I see Jesus Christ. I see what a difference he makes. That's not going to happen. So you don't want to be thinking that. What you want to be thinking is, how can I obey them better so that they see Jesus in me? Because Jesus showed us that obedience is righteous. It's godlike. You need to care about that. You need to care about what God says is right if you're going to obey your parents in the Lord. And then second, to obey your parents in the Lord, you need to want what God has promised. You need to want it. What God has promised. In other words, okay, don't choke when you hear this. Make obeying your parents something you want to do. Make obeying your parents something you want to do because you believe God's promise that it will be good for you. See, I say this because verse 2 reminds us that one of the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament, honor your father and your mother, has a promise connected to it. That it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, why is there a promise here? Why does God give us promises? The fact that there's a promise here means that God wants us to want to do this. That's what promises do. They make you want something. They motivate you internally. See, real obedience is never just an external thing. You know, like the kid in school and didn't want to obey his teacher, and the teacher told him to sit down, and he didn't want to sit down, and she told him to sit down, and he didn't want to sit down, and she finally made him sit down, and he looked at her and he said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside I'm still standing up. (laughs) That's not true obedience. That's not God's definition of obedience. Look what Jesus said about people. Look what Jesus said about people who only obey God on the outside. Matthew 15, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
Okay, so how do you want to obey your parents when you don't want to obey your parents? How do you do that? You choose to believe the promise, God's promise, that obedience is good for you. The point of this promise is that children who obey their parents typically live better lives than children who don't. And that's because you're living the way God intended you to live. You're living life the way God set it up to work. And God knows best. See, God knows best. God knows how to make a family good. God knows how to make a society good. God knows how to make the the world good. So young people, if you want to have a good life, you do, don't you? You want to have a good life? And do do you want to have an impact for good on this world? Do you want to make the world a better place? Here's how you do that at this stage in your life. This is one main way you do that. If you want a good life and you want to impact the world for good, trust Jesus enough to obey your parents. Rebellion may seem like a better idea sometimes. But in the long run, it will not make your life better. It will make you worse. You have to believe the promise of God more than you believe the promises of your culture. You know, your culture that says the parents are stupid and rebellion is cool. You've got to trust that God knows better how to make you happy than your culture does. He knows better how to make you happy than anybody else does, including yourself. Now, this... Needing to want what God has promised. This means that your attitude is hugely important. You all know what an attitude is. And if you've got a bad attitude about obeying your parents, I want to tell you where that comes from. It doesn't come from your parents being clueless. If you've got a bad attitude about obeying your parents, the problem is you're failing to believe God's promise. And by the way, you're also making it very difficult for your parents to trust you with more freedom. If you want more freedom, I know this seems counterintuitive, but if you want more freedom, the way to get more freedom is to obey your parents. (laughs) Because parents give more freedom to kids they can trust. That's how it works. So, if you want more freedom, when your mom or dad asks you to do something... And it's not immoral, and it's not illegal. Don't roll your eyes. Don't uh, sigh heavily. Don't mutter under your breath, this is stupid. Don't do anything else that will give the impression that you think your parents are the biggest idiots on the planet. Your parents are probably not as dumb as you think. It's funny. I think it's funny how Hollywood constantly promotes and teaches and proclaims this myth that kids are always wiser than their parents. I mean, movie after movie, TV show after TV show, who are the wise ones? It's always the kids. 
They're so wise. The parents are <laughs> clueless. And you know what's so funny about this is every single one of those clueless parents used to be a kid who knew more than their parents. So what happened? Apparently, merely the act of having children makes you stupid. But it's good because what happens is parents eventually get smarter again. I love this. Mark Twain said this. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. All right, well, let's just say for the argument that you do know more than your parents. Let's just assume you do. For the sake of argument, you know more about life than your parents. What then? What do you have to do? Do you still have to obey them? I want you to consider the example of Jesus when he was a boy. He and his parents went to Jerusalem when he was 12 years old, 12. And they were doing what what many good Jews would do. They would go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And they went with a big group, relatives, friends, you know, traveling in a big caravan, and on the, after the Passover, they're on their way back. You know, kids are here and there. They're hanging out with this group and that group. And they're not with you the whole time. And after a while, they start to realize, Mary and Joseph do, they haven't seen Jesus in quite a while. And they start looking around. They can't find him anywhere. So they turn around and they go back to Jerusalem looking for him. And this is what happens in Luke two forty-six and following. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers. These would be the best brightest rabbis in all of Israel, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Because she's a good mom, and like all good moms, she personalizes it and makes it all about her. (laughs) Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And look, then he went to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Notice three things. Number one, Jesus, at 12 years old, was super smart and may very well have been smarter than his parents. Number two, They did not understand him, which is what almost every teenager thinks about their parents. And third, he obeyed them anyway. The perfect son of God obeyed two imperfect parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is righteous. And because... God promises good things to kids who trust him enough to do it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, uh, you are amazing. Such humility, such such goodness 
the way you treated your parents on earth, the way you always obey your Father, though you are God, though you are perfect in every way. Lord, may all of us learn from your example, and I especially pray for those young people in our midst who are struggling to obey their mom and dad. Help them see the goodness of it. Help them see the potential they have to show Jesus to this world. To stay connected, or for more resources, visit our brand new website at philida.org.